0: Welcome on in to the 2-3 Podcast, I'm Cam, that's Zach,
1: post-Bahamas special, episode 7. The boys went 1 and 2 on the business trip to the Bahamas. How are we feeling Cam? Was this business trip a failure? I don't know if it was necessarily a failure. I
0: think that there's a lot of stuff that we need to work on. Um, We're learning a lot about this team and the team is learning a lot about itself And at the end of the day, I think that that's all you can really ask for when it comes to games like this. And the Bahamas, while it may not have been as successful as we hoped, I still think that it was
1: a trip that we needed to make in the end. Yeah, it was definitely disappointing. We got to be honest. It was disappointing, but it was not a failure. Jim mentioned in his presser that... We grew here. Overall, he thinks we grew here. And I think we did. There's some great things that can come out of this tournament, like Jesse Edwards and Cole Swider, and we'll get into them later. But we we grew here, and that's ultimately what matters in the grand scheme of the season. It's still early. You know, we're we're now six games into the season. We still have, you know, plenty of games left to be played, and the normal progression of a team is for Cuse, is we kind of start slow, and progressively get better. Like we're not really good. In recent years until, you know, January, February, March. Right. So if you compare that, I feel like people were doing it a little harsh because of our, our strengths of schedule. We're playing really good teams early on, which is kind of showing how slow we're, our start is. I want
0: to ask you, Zach, uh, compared to years past, like you just said, the strength of schedule is significantly harder in the beginning of the year. We're playing against teams that are... So much better again than, you know, teams in the past, out of conference teams in the past. Would you rather have a year like this where you're maybe not performing the best against really good teams? Or would you rather have a year where you're basically putting up, you know, 100 point games against opponents that are most likely not going to make the tournament in the
1: long run? Well, I think it, what matters is, is what it does to your team. If, if you go on a hard strength of schedule like we're doing this year and your team just loses steam or loses steam and just falls apart because people are pissed they're losing no one likes to lose no one no, no one wants to sign up to lose even if it is against a good team it sucks to lose it, you, you play number one team in the country it still sucks to lose yeah. obviously that's different than losing to someone else or beating you know a lesser team but it, it sucks to lose. So, I think it really comes down to how the team deals with it and the mentality of how they deal with losing and winning early on. Obviously, you know, if you go six and out, which usually Q's is like at least six and out to start the season because our non conference schedule is kind of just like a cakewalk, essentially.
0: Yeah, we're not really used to this. We're not really used to this because we're playing against teams usually that are like very, very weak opponents like Bucknell or Boston University that I can think of in years past where we're putting up like 110 points against the team and we're not doing that this year.
1: Yeah, we're just feeling ourselves, you know, going 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 all in, pulling off clinics. So, like, you do get, like, confidence, you're ready to go, but you don't really play competition to truly get you better and ready for, like, the ACC season, I would argue. And we got to remember, folks, too, that in the
0: long run teams are going to lose. It's a very long season. It's only November right now. And there's going to be losses. There's going to be nicks throughout the season. We are going to have more losses throughout the year. I hope we don't, but uh, you know, that's most likely what's going to happen and it's how you deal with that adversity. And I feel like at least with a couple of these players Zach that have been pretty vocal, they've been pretty positive about our performance in the Bahamas and just our losses early on. We're it just shows kind of the leadership um, on this team and, and how this team is sort of feeling itself out and more or less growing into their own
1: identity, per se. Yeah, we got to highlight Cole Swider in the Presser versus Auburn. A reporter asked him how he felt about himself and the team going through this this tournament process, and you got to take a listen to what he said.
0: Like coach said, I think it's one of the best tournaments in the country. Um, I think that a team's gonna walk out of here 0-3 who has a chance to make the tournament. Um, I think that we, we can get a lot better. I think that the team that you see now is not gonna be the team you see at the end of the year.
1: Um, and I, like, I, like Coach said, I think we have a lot of growing to do. Obviously, we learned a lot about our team so far, but I think that, um, like, like I said before, like you're gonna see a totally
0: different team by the end of the year than what you see now. So, and uh, I'm excited to, to grow with this group. Uh, obviously, we have one of the best coaches in college basketball. Um, We have a group that wants wants to fight, wants to learn, and and we have one of the best staffs in the country. So, I I think that uh, we're going to be we're going to be in a good spot, but we we got to put the work in and we got to take these lumps now. And that audio courtesy of Syracuse Athletics. I gotta love what he said. You know, we're just it, it it really kind of spins this trip into perspective, Zach. Because you kind of after that Auburn loss, I don't know about you, but like. It was a huge gut punch. It was a a massive gut punch and you were not really feeling too great about the year. But after hearing what Cole said and hearing that sort of natural leadership that he has on the team, you almost feel better about these losses and you can look at them in sort of a positive light as opposed to the negative picture that I think a lot of people were sort of painting, myself included, right after that loss against Auburn.
1: Yeah, and and if this is the mentality of the locker room outside of Cole, and if he's preaching this, and if coaches are preaching this mentality that this is early, we're learning, we we, we grew here, then I'm fired up. After listening to that and what Cole said, I'm like, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm like, these guys know what's going on. Their mindset's still right, and I'm still hopeful for the future. I'm not like everyone else is freaking out and hitting the panic button.
0: And we got to remember, too, there are a lot of excellent teams in this tournament, I think what Cole said best there is there's there are teams that went on three in this tournament that are going to make March Madness. They're going to because there were so many talented teams in this tournament. And I think that if you look at this tournament on paper, it was probably one of the best ones in the country, if not the best being played. And it, it, it went, you know, obviously the level of competition that we saw. I mean, just even games that weren't played by Qs. Obviously, that double OT game against uh, with UConn and and uh, Auburn, that was an amazing competition, and just to see the level of talent that was out there on the court, we were playing against excellent competition, and I feel like these teams we're going to be seeing down the line. This is totally different than years past, and like Zach said, we're so used to being six and zero in the beginning of the year, it's a little bit weird looking at the team, seeing that the boys are three and three, but. From what Cole said, like you said, Zach, if if this is the light that is or if this is the attitude that's in the locker room, I'll take it, man. I love it. This this gets you fired up for the rest of the year in the the really rough stretch that we got coming up against a,
1: a couple of these games like we'll get into a little bit later. Bouncing off the positivity from this trip, we got to go with the guy that was getting screamed MVP at against Arizona State, Jesse Edwards. Wow. Balled out. Was anyone expecting this? Like, this is insane. I, I personally wasn't. I don't know
0: about you, Zach, but I personally wasn't because I I feel like we've been seeing glimpses of what Jesse can be throughout the year a little bit. You know, he's had kind of glimpses as to how strong he can be at that five, but he wasn't really able to put together a full, complete game and and leave it all out there on the court. But against Arizona State... 21 points eight rebounds two
1: blocks he was a monster out there that's that's building off his his c- career high previous of 11 points he went from a career high of 11 points to 21. Oh. I think he scored this year so far like eight points yeah is that sound about right That sounds about right yeah which is like wow like we're talking about night and day difference here and to go on that he he to to auburn he scored 17 points six rebounds so he, he's scoring very high numbers in these last two games. Right. And, you know, you kind of look at this trend and you think to yourself, Zach, you know, can he
0: sort of stay consistent with these numbers and can he sort of put up these sort of elite level performances against solid opponents like Auburn and Arizona State?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, he has his 21 point a game against Arizona State. You call it a fluke, right? You can call it a fluke. Is it one-time deal. But then he does another great performance against Auburn with 17 points. So we have two games in a row now where he is putting up great offensive numbers. So do I think he's gonna be you know 17 plus or let's see even 15 plus guy for the rest of the season? I don't know for I honestly I'm not convinced of that yet. I do think we will go to Jesse way more and on that there are so many times where i don't know if you've noticed this but in previous games like especially like vcu there's times on pick and rolls where he's like his hands are up calling for the ball but no one goes to him right but he showed against arizona state against auburn like guys go for me i I can handle this give me the ball i'll give you 21 points so it's a tough question but i guess we'll
0: see you know what he you know what the biggest thing that stood out to me was against Arizona State was he looked very comfortable out there. In games past, he looks like he's a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit unsure what to do when he's underneath the basket, but in this game like he he looked like exactly what he he wanted to do, he could do. You know, if he wanted to drive into the paint and, you know, create some space for himself, he could do that. If he wanted to, you know, take a jump shot, he could do that. He looked like he could basically do anything that he wanted and he at no point did he look like uncomfortable at all out there
1: yeah it's, I don't know I feel like this is the first game he like truly had chance to get some reps obviously he was successful early on and was looking good so they kept going to him but previously this he was very limited in what he could do like everyone else was scoring and shooting that like he Jesse never had a chance to get the ball and like try something else and get comfortable in the game and against Arizona State, he like truly, like you said, got comfortable and was getting like anything he wanted essentially. So, the biggest question coming into this year was
0: Is Jesse going to be the guy that we think that he could potentially be going into the year? And I feel like with these two games, Zach, we're seeing sort of glimpses of what he could be. Do you think that he could potentially be? Even more than this, do you think that he could
1: sort of build off of this performance? I think it's possible. Obviously, he's returning from the Bahamas, feeling great about his individual performance. Obviously, not great about overall team performance. But twenty-one and seventeen points, his most recent two games—that's something to be proud of. And I hope he can build on this. It's—it's. It's, I'm the reason I'm not feeling super confident. It's two games. is a tournament style of play. You know, you kind of warm up per se in the first game and you you play three games that you play three games in a row. So you kind of get in a flow, a rhythm. So hopefully his rhythm can continue to regular season games. Do you think that he's looking like he has a little bit more confidence out
0: there? Maybe that he's, you know, like just more or less like
1: because he found himself, he just seems a little bit more confident on the floor. Yeah, definitely. I mean, after putting up, you know, 21, 17 points, got to hammer those stat line into you because those are great numbers. Yeah. So I got to keep saying it, 21 and 17 <laughs> points, like from Jesse Edwards, by the way. You got to really hammer that down. But I think it goes back to just like the reps and like the chance and that he, he was had against everyone, particularly Arizona State, to, to try things and – have reps and attempts that he never had. And since those were going in, the confidence kept building and building and building and building. And And you see him put together two great games. Another great performance came from a guy
0: that we mentioned earlier, a sort of leader in that, in that locker room. And that's Cole Swider. He had 19 points and 11 rebounds, a double double against Arizona state. And it feels like Zach, that the sniper is back.
1: Cole Swider, the sniper that we yeah. saw earlier in the season is back, baby. He is 4 for 5 from the 3 like you mentioned. Against VCU, he shot 0 for 8, I believe, 0 for something. He he shot 0% against VCU and then come to, to stay confident, just keep shooting and find 4 for 5 against in his first breakout game in the regular season versus Arizona State is quite the feat. And I'm so happy to see the snipers back.
0: Yeah, he was two for 14 from the field against VCU. And like Zach said, he was 0 for 7 from three. And to sort of have that sort of bounce back performance after a, a not great game against VCU is sort of a testament to how confident and how big he is on the team. I feel like when he's hot, I think that the rest of the team is hot. It seems like the team doesn't necessarily revolve around him, but it kind of is a testament to him again being a natural leader in that in that locker room. Because when he's confident, I think that, and I don't, I don't know if you see this too or not, but it seems like if he's confident, the rest of the team is also confident.
1: Yeah, I mean, when he's confident, that means he's dropping 19 points, going four for five from the three. And you know, our guy Buddy's dropping 20 points, JJ 3s had a good game against Arizona State. So when he's confident, everyone else is confident scoring. And it's it's what we were hoping to see this season. Every team
0: I feel like has, you know, sort of that that player on the team that's sort of the face of the franchise or face of the team. And I feel like that's Buddy Beheim. But in this case, there's sometimes these players that are more or less like the more vocal leaders. And they just kind of find themselves in these natural like leading positions. I feel like Cole is that I feel like he is probably one of the captains. I don't know if we were trying to discuss this earlier. If we if, if, you know, the, the team actually assigns captains or not. I'm pretty sure that they don't. Maybe they do like within the locker room or whatever, and they just kind of keep it within the team. But I feel like Cole has really come into himself a little bit. And this could be because Jim always mentions how. Cole didn't really have this opportunity when he was in Villanova and we didn't know what he was like as a player, or as a person in Villanova, but it seems like Zach that he's, he seems really comfortable in an orange uniform. And it seems like he's just kind of coming into himself and being confident within the team and going down the line, going down the year when the team find itself, finds itself in different situations, that's going to be huge for him and and for the squad itself.
1: Yeah, I love Cole Swider's mindset and his leadership. You know, if like you mentioned, the team doesn't necessarily give a captain badge, but the two three does. <laughs> Cole Swider has our captain badge. Captain, he's one of our captains for sure.
0: Captain Cole Swider, we need to call captain him. Captain Cole Swider. Captain. That Cole. sounds good. Captain Cole, Zach. It's going to be Captain Cole from now on. The transfer from Villanova. I don't know about you, man, but going into this year, I knew that Cole was going to be good. I didn't think, though, that he was going to be this good because we didn't really get a chance to see him play at all. Obviously, we saw him in different highlights and everything, but he has really surprised me this year. I know we're only six games in, but
1: I didn't really expect this much from Captain Cole. He's capable. He's more than capable, and I think this is just the beginning from what we saw from Cole, honestly. I do want to circle back to our guy Jesse real quick and just Ask, when's the last time we saw a center with numbers like Jesse's been putting up? I don't think that, to my recollection, you probably have to dig back a
0: ways. Because, obviously, the last couple of years have been filled with our boy, uh Marek. And, again, I love Marek to death. We will always love him. Houston Nation will always love him. But I feel like he wasn't the best natural center because he wasn't. He wasn't really fit for that, or he wasn't really built for that position. But I feel like you probably have to dig a ways back, Zach, before we get a center that's put up anywhere close to these kind of numbers. Yeah. I think the first guy that comes to mind is Tyler Leiden for me. I agree with that. You know, sort of a a natural center, a big presence down low. I feel like that's been a really, really long time since we've had somebody like Tyler Lydon, Zach. And again, that's been filled with Marek, and we love him to death, but he just wasn't really filling that void. And I feel
1: like Jesse could easily fill that void. I think so. I do have to do a callback to our first episode, I believe, when you said Jesse Edwards could potentially be the next Tyler Lydon. And I thought you were crazy. And I was like, that's a bold prediction. But after Balfour for Linus, you might be onto something. Might be onto something. It's like the first time in my entire life that I've been onto something.
0: But, um, you know he he's to stick with this Jesse Edwards theme. He's sort of surprised me too. But I feel like again we've been seeing glimpses of this, and we saw glimpses of this last year, especially in the tournament. Where he was really starting to kind of feel himself out and he was still looking a little bit awkward out there, a little bit unsure what to do. But this game against Arizona State, I feel like this is the one time where he's actually put together an entire game performance where you could sit back and say, that's the kind of Jesse Edwards that we expect and that's the kind of guy that we can expect kind of going forward. The bar's been set high, Zach, and I just kind of hope that he's able to
1: achieve that sort of success down the line. It really has. And if you compare this to, like, other guys, recent centers, like Chukwu and even Barama, like, those guys do you have, like, breakout games towards the end of the season where, like, they're scoring, you know, 15 points-ish, maybe. But they've never, like, from my recollection, I, I can't recall the time Pascal Chukwu has scored 21 points for us. Right.
0: I think that he was more or less known for the outstanding game that he had against Duke in the win against Duke. Um where he put up how many rebounds did he have? He was like, it was an astronomical amount, but I can't remember a time where I've been, you know, where I've texted you and been like, holy cow, you know, our so-and-so center, like got more than 20 points or around 20 points in the game. I I can't remember that at all. I think that maybe Tyler Lydon might've had a game back in the day where against maybe like a, a weaker opponent, But I guess a team like Arizona State, who I believe that they're only two and four on the year, but still, I mean, it's a a power six school. It's a pretty impressive performance. Unfortunately, we do need to move on to sort of the negatives to come out of uh, the Bahamas. And there were a little bit. We'll start with VCU. If you remember, it was the first game of the tournament. Took the L in that one, 55 to 67 VCU had a really annoying defense, and they just would not go away. And I feel like that caused havoc for our offense, and we just immediately were not able to do anything, Zach.
1: They literally pressed us from the moment the ball tipped to the last seconds of the game where the clock hit zero zero zero. 0 they were relentless. It was insane. And sort of the the highlight, the sore
0: thumb to come out of that press was definitely Joe. He had six turnovers and zero assists. He looked pretty unconfident and a little bit frazzled out there. And as a team, we only had eight assists. We were not able to get the ball going at all. Joe, when it comes to games like this, it, it makes you kind of Scratch your head and think to yourself, you know, what is Joe doing and are we seeing like the Joe of old that we really don't want to see? We were so confident in his abilities, Zach, coming into the tournament because he had such a mm-hmm. a, a great uh, past couple of games and it felt like this was going to be the, the Joe that we've been waiting to see for a while.
1: Yeah, defensive pressure is something we was a was a negative for Joe we brought up early in the season and a team like VCU is just a bad matchup for Joe he, he can't handle the press like unfortunately he just doesn't have the the ball handling t- to truly break the zone that we need I just he just I I don't have the confidence in Joe to break his own like I do someone like Dolzai of years past it kind of makes you think like
0: Why didn't Samir get more minutes? He only had four minutes in the game. He had two assists. He looked pretty good. Like, Even if I understand that Joe is the better offensive player in any scenario, but in all other facets of the game, whether it's to create a a different look on the offense, whether it's you know, a stronger defender to get the ball moving, to create opportunities inside the paint to try to drive in whatever Samir is the better guard in that scenario. And I'm not saying that he's the better guard in general, but in that scenario, I feel like you need to put Samir in there just to even like change up the look of the offense, because I feel like it was becoming way too predictable and VCU was able to just kind of eat up any sort of opportunities that they could see because Joe looks so lost at times, and I feel like if you put Samir in there, there's a, a little sense of more comfortability. If that's a word, I don't think that's a word, but, you know, just a different style of play. And I just don't understand why Samir wasn't put in more than he was, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's a bit of a question mark for me, too. And I honestly am not sure what that boils down to. Obviously, the whole team was struggling with the press, too. Other people were turning it over and making poor passes. It really makes you beg the question of why didn't Samir get more minutes? And I really don't know. Like you said, from what we've seen this year, he's better ball handler, better at changing the pace. And like you said, he's he, he could change change things up a little bit and give him a different look. So I, I really don't know. It's a it's, it's question mark, and maybe that's all you can boil it down to is a question mark.
0: The boys ended up shooting 29% from the field and just under 22% from three. You had mentioned the, the press a little bit and just, you know, how we couldn't work with the press at all. Do you think that this is maybe something that's going to go down in the scouting report that, you know, Joe can't handle the press, that the team in general kind of can't handle the press? And if you're a coach sort of looking at our old game
1: film, that's something that you make note of maybe? Absolutely and as as we will talk about as we go through these games the the press and and pressure on defense is something we struggled with throughout the tournament and if you're not if 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 you're a team that's facing us later in the season that's on your scouting report 100% and you're silly not to press us cuz we have not shown any glimpses of handling it well no we really haven't if you want to look
0: at sort of a positive in this game Jimmy had another double-double. He had 17 points and 12 rebounds. That was kind of the only (laughs) good sort of, uh, I guess, glimmer of hope to kind of come out of this game. Otherwise, it really was not a strong performance from the boys in Orange. And VCU ended up having a pretty decent tournament. They ended up losing to Baylor and then UConn. Both games were very, very close, might add, but you know, it's just one of those things where we were not able to break the press and we were not able to shoot well. And it's, you know, those are recipes for sort of disaster for our offense. And it showed because we were not able to put up a strong performance
1: against the Rams. Moving on to our one W of the trip, a much needed W for the trip Arizona State. That's right. A 92
0: 84 win. We kind of broke it down a little bit more, uh, earlier, but the starters. Played most of the game, Zach. And I know that they were very effective because obviously they ended up getting the win. It kind of fell apart there a little bit towards the end and it was a little bit of a heart attack when you're watching at home. But I don't know if I'm necessarily a fan of this, Zach. Having the starters play
1: most of the game when I feel like they don't really need to. Yeah, Frank had five minutes and Samir and Benny had six minutes in the game. They played like... A second in the second half, I think, but they saw zero action whatsoever overall. And I really don't know how I feel about this. It's like you said; it's it's kind of like unnecessary to a degree. It's like you you think someone could get in there a little bit and, and still be productive. I I do like I do understand the mentality of like my guys are handling it. I'm gonna keep my starting five out there. Like I don't want to mess anything up. I want to keep this intact. But it feels like our bench is good enough that they could handle that. So I'm a little confused there. Well, I understand if you
0: want to keep, you know, the group in there, if they're all firing on all cylinders and, you know, it's a close game and you don't want to sort of break up that momentum, but I don't think that there was necessarily any point there when that was the case. I think that it's totally unnecessary and might have contributed to the Auburn loss because maybe some of the starters were just kind of tired and they didn't really, you know, they were just sort of beat from playing, you know, 35, 36, 39 minutes in Buddy's case. I just I just don't really get it. And there was no single performance where I'm looking at it right now and I'm thinking to myself, you know, man, they had to keep him in there for the full 40 minutes or whatever. I mean Buddy had a great game. He had 23 points. He had six rebounds, five assists. But I don't think that that's necessarily like you need to play the entire game worthy. And I feel like it's just totally unnecessary to to be doing that. And if you have a bench like Syracuse does, I just don't understand why you're not using it or you're not utilizing it. At least put in your three guys. Put in Frank. Put in Samir. Put in Benny. I understand that you may not have too much outside of that, but just put them in at least and try to like cut the minutes down for your starters So they're not as tired later in the, in the, you know, when you have a game the next day.
1: Yeah. Like, especially in a tournament style where your stars are playing literally less than 25 hours later in another competitive game, you'd think you'd be a little bit more thoughtful of time management. And like, obviously at the end of the day, like you mentioned buddy stat, but all of our starters had a great stat line of the game. You know, Justin Cole, the, the, those are the guys that had the, the breakout games. We mentioned their stats earlier. And uh, Joe even had a great game finishing with like 15 points, I believe. So obviously your stars are playing well, but it does kind of beg the question, especially in a tournament style where you're playing the next day. Why aren't you giving your guys some rest?
0: And I feel like there wasn't necessarily a performance from any of the bench players that would have, Cause the need for them to immediately get taken out. You know, they didn't... Between the three of them, they only put up two points, and that was from Frank. But I feel like they weren't bad to the point where you couldn't play them. You know what I mean? Like, I just just don't really get why you're leaving them in for that entire time. You're leaving your starters in for that entire time,
1: rather. A time maybe we should have entered a sub is when things... Towards the end, we're getting a little bit too close for comfort. Arizona State kind of was getting like a little bit of a run going towards late of the game, and we just we just couldn't stop them. I mean, ultimately in the game, we beat them all, on the offensive end. We we just we couldn't stop them. They did whatever they wanted to do essentially on offense, and we beat them by outscoring them, essentially. I mean, obviously that's how you beat games. <laughs> but we 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 only beat them on the offensive end. Defensively We didn't really do much to stop that. No, we
0: really didn't. And there were a couple of, you know, sort of sloppy plays and sloppy passes or whatever that may have contributed to them having a couple more opportunities than they maybe should have. But defensively, it just kind of, you know, begs the question, were the guys tired? Were they, you know, were we just needed of like a a different look defensively? And again, it just kind of goes back to the question, like, why aren't you putting in fresh legs and why aren't you putting in, Sort of like a, a, I don't know. Put in your bench, like I, you've got them, like you've got talent on the bench. I just don't understand why you're not using it and why you're unnecessarily leaving in the starters for longer than they they
1: need to be out there. Ultimately, I left us with a W, so we'll take it. But moving on to number nineteen, Auburn. This was rough. It was
0: a twenty-one point loss, a sixty-eight to eighty-nine loss against number nineteen Auburn. They were they look like they were almost unbeatable and we did not come prepared at all in this game and it got away pretty quickly, especially in the second half. That's when things really started to fall apart. And, you know, it was just one of those games where we just didn't play well, Zach. And, you know, kind of one of those games where you really just want to forget it.
1: Yeah, and obviously there's no sh- shame in losing to a great Auburn team. They're they're a fantastic team. They were ranked 19 at the time of playing them, but we just it just didn't feel like we put up a good enough fight. And like we mentioned prior to going to the tournament, we wanted to see our guys at least have have to play games. We 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 we, ex- we had that expectation to them that they had that they had to play well in games at least and. This is one of the games where it felt like they didn't really play well, which which was unfortunate to see. And Auburn in the
0: end ended up playing, what was it was over ten people. I think it was twelve in the end, and all of them except for one who was a walk on, got points. So like they were sharing the love, and you looked at their starters, and you know their play time is evenly distributed. They basically have like two squads out there, Zach. And either one was just like they were carving up
1: our defense and they were just performing very, very well. Again, our defense couldn't kind of stop them. They they were dunking on us <laughs> left and right. And it it was just it was just tough. They they're beating us anywhere they wanted to, and our, our defense was just just not holding up. Jesse ended up going seven from
0: eight or seven for eight from the field. He had a pretty good one. He had 17 points. There were three players that had 17 points for the Orange that was Cole, Buddy, and Jesse. The three of them looked pretty good outside of that Zach. It was not too great. Especially Joe again only had 3 points on the game. He had two turnovers and only three assists. Samir actually got some minutes in this one. Um he only put up 6 points. But again, added sort of a, a new sort of dimension to the game. And I thought that Joe really just, he shouldn't have been out there. And it was good that Samir was able to get minutes, but bad that Joe did not play well. Kind of overall looking at the the tournament in general, Zach, I feel like there are two, we feel like there are two different uh, things that we need to work on going forward. The pressure... And defense, and the pressure being the big one, it's just, you know, the the press defense, act. it feels like it, it keeps
1: eluding us, and we just don't know how to crack it. Yeah, we, we just, I think it boils down to, sadly, of not having an athletic enough person to truly break that pressure. This is something we saw Dojai destroy time and time again last year. He was such a crafty ball handler being our center, but being a forward. And it was insane to see that. But obviously we don't have Dojay this year. And I, I really don't know what to do with that. We we can't there's times we we handled it, quote unquote. We never like truly beat the press. We're never beating people back and getting easy buckets. We just make buy. We never like truly beat it, if that makes sense. Especially going down the year,
0: you're going to be playing teams that are going to be having better defenses or maybe sort of like the same caliber of, you know, battle for Atlantis because there were some very good defenses that we played, but um, you know, it's not going to get any easier and the schedule is not going to get any easier and we'll kind of get to that in a little bit. But um, also our defense, you look at what teams are putting up against us and it's pretty noticeable amounts that we're losing to and pretty noticeable amounts that these these teams are kind of putting up against our defense.
1: Yeah, teams are putting up literal like season highs against us in scoring, which is a such... It happens once, I get it. Team, teams can be hot, but it's, it's a trend and multiple teams are having season high in scoring against us, which once it's a trend is when it becomes a problem and it's, it's starting to happen And multiple teams so far have, have scored season highs against us
0: off the top of my head. I believe it was Colgate VCU. And I think Arizona state that put up again, Arizona state was the win, but still like you really shouldn't be having a team put up 84 points against the zone. Traditionally, the zone is going to actually allow less points than like a man-to-man defense if it's executed well. But, you know, we had the game against Colgate where we gave up 100 points. Uh, VCU, believe it or not, actually like scored a career high against us and career high, season high against us. And it just can't happen. It can't happen going forward. The the ACC teams are going to be picking you apart if that happens. And again, the schedule is not going to get any easier. So, These are big holes that we need to kind of fill. And I really hope going forward that we are able to sort of patch things up, sort of heading into ACC play. Because if not,
1: it's going to be pretty, pretty tough, Zach. Absolutely. We kind of already mentioned this, but prior to Drexel, Drexel before, including exhibition games, teams were scoring like roughly 60 points, the max being 63 against Lafayette. And we go from that to losing to Colgate and they're scoring 100 points, which is just insane that people are putting this much amount of points on us. And like Cam said, we got it. We got to get better with that with competition coming forward. And you'd mentioned that Drexel game. If you think
0: back to it, Drexel was really having their way against us. In the first half and then obviously we made that halftime adjustment and ended up walking away with with a win a pretty decent win at that and it kind of begs the question like what sort of halftime adjustment did we make against Drexel in that game where we're not doing that we didn't make that adjustment in these games because it seems like the defense that Drexel was giving us in the first half was almost identical to what Colgate was doing and what VCU was doing against us, and we just never made sort of an adjustment in in that.
1: Yeah, it's it's confusing because we, regardless of the defenses being similar or not, just the the, the fact Sinone is struggling, we were getting they're having our way with us, mm-hmm. and we were able to make an adjustment and executed on and it worked against Drexel, and for some reason, we haven't really been able to do that again against any other team that we've played so far. I'm sure there's been adjustments we've tried to make that haven't worked, but we we haven't been able to execute and truly make a difference like we did in that Drexel game. That was the one time in the season where there was a problem, which was our defense. We went in at halftime. We changed and then actually executed and made a solution and it actually changed the game. That was the first time and only time of the season we, we saw that happen. And I don't know why we're not able to do that again. Obviously, there's different teams of different defenses a little bit, but I really don't know, like, especially with the leadership we have on this team with veterans, like you would think they would be able to find, dig deep and, and pull something together. But for some reason, we haven't been able to do it again. It seems like teams are having a lot of success with
0: us when they're able to move the ball around and sort of create opportunities and not necessarily go down the floor and then just kind of chuck up a three and then, you know, go back on defense. That's what Drexel did in the first half. That's what Colgate did, executed it beautifully. And then VCU was kind of doing that a little bit. I'm worried that, you know, teams are going to take note of this because it's pretty apparent that as long as you keep the ball moving, you're going to get success against the two, three zone. I feel like it kind of boils down to, we just need to be more athletic in the zone. And I don't know if that's an adjustment that that Jim needs to make or what, but it seems like that's kind of the, the biggest flaw
1: that we have, Zach, on the defensive side of things. Yeah, this one hurt. A, an announcer, I believe, I'm pretty sure this is where I heard it, an announcer mentioned in one of the games that teams should almost not even try to get fast break points because they should just let the zone set up because they know how to beat it. That hurts. And fast and yeah, that hurts. Cause obviously, you know, fast press, you can make a bad pass or something and get a turnover. But it's just like, wow. That's, like they're kind of right. That hurts. That really hurts. I feel like I know which announcer you're talking about. Was it
0: for like, was it during the battle for Atlantis? And was it the female announcer that was cause she was making, I think so. She yeah. was making some great points against the zone and like kind of exposing us a little bit low key where it was like you, you please stop talking because the points that you're making are really good but I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't want you to be saying it it's like one of those things where it's like you don't have to say it out loud. we already
1: know it just don't say it out loud please yeah it's like the uh, I'm not mad I'm disappointed <laughs> it's like please don't say it it hurts so let's look
0: ahead to our next game it's tomorrow against six and zero unbeaten indiana the big 10 acc challenge at 7 p.m on espn 2 they are unbeaten but the reason why they are not ranked is because they have not beaten a power six school yet there are a couple teams there that are definitely good opponents they're they're great opponents but they're just not um you know bigger schools i believe the biggest one that they've beaten is saint john's if i'm not mistaken but you know gonna be a great test sack going at indiana I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we need to work on uh, coming back from the Bahamas, and I'm I'm hoping that we're going to be able to kind of play it out a lot better than what we did in, in the Bahamas. Hopefully, we have a, a game like Arizona State where we're kind of able to
1: piece everything together. Yeah, obviously, Indiana is going to come in feeling confident. They're 6-0, and and while they haven't played the best competition in the world, they're still 6-0. and They're feeling good. They're... Undefeated, obviously. So just that alone is they're going to come with some confidence. But at least we have some some tests. We've gone through some wars already. We're battle tested, and hopefully those those wounds from Battle for Atlantis will will heal, and we'll be able to take these guys on. After Indiana,
0: on the fourth of December, we're going to Florida State for the first game of ACC competition. Then the seventh against top 10 Villanova at MSG. That's the Jimmy V classic and the 11th at Georgetown. I hate this schedule. Zach. I hate it so much. It's tough. It's so difficult. But again, I feel like I'd rather have this and actually learn a lot about your team than just kind of have like a, a cakewalk and, you know, have games that really don't matter against opponents that really aren't going to test you at all.
1: So we're sitting at three and three we have four tough games coming up and the two after that before ACC play. But out of these next four games, how many of these do we have to win to, to feel okay going to ACC play? Assuming that the, those last two games and non-conference play are, you know, Ws. I feel like out of the four games that we have coming up,
0: um, the must-win games, it would be fantastic to beat Florida state to kind of get the leg up on the competition in ACC play. Um, Villanova is going to be really tough at MSG. Um, I feel like Georgetown might be a little bit of a better opponent because I believe that they're only two and four on the year. I'd say that must win I feel like we need to come away from this four-game stretch with at least two victories in our pockets before we truly start. Because we've got, what is it, Lehigh and then Cornell, and then we start ACC play, I believe, like actual Mm -hmm. true ACC play. Um, I feel like two victories out of this four-game stretch and then the Lehigh victory and then a Cornell victory will really set
1: us up well heading into ACC play. Yeah, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but that Villanova matchup at MSG coming up is spooky. We haven't played well at MSG in recent years. I feel like every time we go to Madison Square Garden, we we just kind of get our buckets, which <laughs> we do. Zach and I actually went to MSG against
0: who did they play? Zach was it Oregon or was it Penn State? Oregon, yeah, with uh, with 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 Bull Bull. Yep, is, is that yep Bull yeah. Bull, Yep, and if you remember. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty rough game, but Jalen Carey, it was like his birthday, too. it was his birthday. Yeah. He only played, it was like one of his, what, like five games that he ended up playing with Oregon or something like that. And, uh, Jalen Carey had a really good game in that one. We were actually talking about this before we hit record how, uh, Jalen Carey, that was like his one good game. We were thinking, wow, he's, you know, he's, he's really dialed in. And then after that, nothing really happened with Jalen Carey. Unfortunately, it didn't really pan out. He's now playing at Rhode Island, but we haven't really played too well, Zach and and MSG. It hasn't really, it's kind of eluded us in the past. So like I said, tomorrow against Indiana at Indiana at 7 p.m. on ESPN2. That'll do it for us. We will talk to you after the Indiana game. Hopefully it's in positive light. Hopefully Jesse and, and, uh, jg3 and the boys are able to kind of piece together a win because they badly need it but that'll do it for us i'm cam that's zach we'll see you later go cuse